Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Landbauer. Greetings, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church Freistadt. It is great to be back with you uh, for the start of a new week. I'm here with our senior pastor, Carl Leyenbauer. Good to be back. And a special guest who's with us today in the podcast room, Angela Axtman. Hi, Rick. Angela, many of you know, a member of Trinity, and we are delighted and excited to have her with us today. First of all, point of clarification, we were discussing in our pre-podcast discussion that what you have for today's devotion uh, is based on the text from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And that is certainly correct, and we will be talking about that. But we're going to actually be using as the basis for our conversation for this podcast, uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 38 and 39, which actually borrows a little bit from Deuteronomy and from Leviticus. Correct, Pastor? That's correct. So why don't you take it up? Take it away. Yeah, we'll read uh, from Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when, when Jesus is answering this lawyer's question of what are the what is the greatest commandment, he's actually quoting two passages from the Old Testament. Yeah, two two passages from the Pentateuch, from the Torah. Right. And he's it, to me, that's a little bit remarkable that out of six hundred plus commands in the Law of Moses, Jesus is able to to identify here are the two key ones, and they're not even like listed together. I always kind of thought they were, but in fact, two two different books of the Bible. But this is this is what summarizes the whole the whole law: love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Yeah. It's interesting, the Pharisee who tested Jesus didn't ask Jesus about the two greatest commandments. He said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave them two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably maybe a little bit too easy. If we stop at just the first one, we can say, oh, I, I do that just fine. I love the Lord my God because he's easy to love. Yeah. He's not a sinner who sins against me. But loving your neighbor, uh, that can be a lot harder. And that's that's the point of the parable that we're in this week with uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Loving someone who is hard to love. Yeah, and to love your neighbor is is really, uh, it flows out of your love for God. The two cannot be separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah, Angela, we haven't given you a chance to say anything yet. Do you haven't? I'm just soaking this in, <laughs> just, trying to pick it up, find the rhythm. Just, just waiting for your chance. Um, to, okay, yep. sounds good. Right. Sounds good. Well, don't don't hesitate to jump in and uh, make us make us be quiet if you need to. So, this all comes in the obviously the the parable that we're looking at this week is the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, how does this conversation that Jesus is having with this expert in the law how does this fit in the narrative of Jesus's parable? Well, when we get to the to the parable text, we see uh, the the expert in the law wants to justify himself. He's, right. he's asked this question, you know, what's the great commandment? And, and Jesus draws it out of him that he already knows the answer. And then to justify himself, he says, well, then who's my neighbor? And uh, as often happens, he asks a question of Jesus that's not a particularly honest question. And then in response, Jesus 
raises the bar well beyond anything that he was expecting, uh, that his neighbor would be uh, a Samaritan and would be uh, somebody who is, uh, who the the priests or the Levites might want to cross and be on the other side. The, the love of neighbor that Jesus describes in that parable goes beyond the comfort zone for, for him and really for us. And so uh, Jesus is raising the bar. Yep. In our confirmation ministry, one of the workshops or one of the six chief parts of the catechism is the law. And I'm sure all of our listeners have seen images of the Ten Commandments as two tablets. And on that first tablet, you'll see commandments one, two, and three. And the second tablet, commandments four through ten. We call them the two tables of the law. And they're divided up that way. You know, you, some people might look at that and say, well, that's kind of uneven. Why wouldn't you put five mm-hmm. on one tablet and five on the other? But there's a reason for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The first three relate to our relationship with God. Yeah. So that's the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yep. And then and then four through ten we usually say that's your relationship with your neighbor. And so that's love your neighbor as yourself. And yeah. so we see all of the law fitting in underneath those two commandments. Now Angela, you had made a comment earlier when we were discussing about how you saw an extra word or a different word in one of the uh, expressions of Jesus's uh, the first table of the law. Right. Um, in the Matthew verse, um, Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. As compared to the Deuteronomy verse, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And it just was interesting to me that it was so similar and yet different. Um, we, we even went looking at the Greek to see, you know, if it was two different words or what the connection might be. Didn't come up with anything so super. So <laughs> mind and strength are interchangeable. Yeah, not not grammatically. That's what you were saying. You didn't come up with anything because it's not like one word could be translated either way, but but rather there's an emphasis that Matthew is probably trying to make here. And so when he quotes the Old Testament, he he's going to focus in and, and add the word mind, um, and I think it's Mark, but I'd have to look it up to be sure that he, he just throws all four words in, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what that suggests is that um, in the as these gospel writers are reading back in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, they're seeing uh, that what that verse meant is more than just what the the words would contain if they didn't expound on it a little bit. That you, you, loving the Lord your God is it's it's your whole being. And in Hebrew, maybe you can express that in three words. Maybe in Greek, it takes four because Greek thinkers have more categories than Hebrew ones. So that's kind of a um, off the cuff guess at to where that difference might lie. But the point is, love the Lord your God with everything in you. And if you're going to love the Lord your God with your strength, I mean in your body, that means you're going to be concerned about your neighbor, which takes us back to the second of these two commands that Jesus picks up. Luther always, he wrote extensively about how the first commandment is like the keystone commandment. It's the one commandment on which all of the others hang. If we, if we disobey any of the other commandments, like say seventh commandment, stealing, well, what we've really done is we've broken the first commandment because in that moment, we have decided to make ourselves the God that I am going to supersede God's commands and make me 
the God of my decision making. Yeah. And so every every sin that you commit is really a sin against that first law of not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've got the greatest commandment. Yeah. Love the Lord your God. Yeah. Which and I then, always kind of see as the first commandment. Right. Don't have any other gods. And then first commandment, you shall have no other gods. So yeah. so yeah, the language gets pretty, uh, yeah. can get mixed up there a little bit. But both are pointing to the same thing. Right. That God is first and foremost, and and yeah, any time that we, any time that we steal, covet, break any of those commandments, it begins with a dissatisfaction with the way the actual Creator has run my universe. So I'm starting to have another God. Don't we always kind of see uh, ourselves? At least I'm I'm speaking personally that we always try to uh, lawyer ourselves out of this. <laughs> Commitment from and God. And this is a lawyer Jesus is talking to. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But I feel like we're trying to look for that loophole that will somehow extricate ourselves from the obligation of really having to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? Well, you're speaking for your own experience. Well, I, I can I mean, only speak yeah, for mine. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I feel like um, there are times when I feel like I want to assert my own morality here and feel like, well, is he worthy of it? Mm-hmm. Is he worthy of my love? And and then the other place you could go with this is, do I really love myself? If Jesus is saying I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, some people might feel uncomfortable with the with the notion that I love myself. But we really do. I mean, it's a self-preservation kind of a love. I'm I'm going to purposely not place my hand on a hot iron. I'm going to avoid things that I know are going to put myself in danger. And so when you think about in the context of that, it starts to provide real-world examples of how I'm supposed to love my fellow man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this goes back to Luther, although I can't quote it. But but he, if I'm remembering right, he suggests that we, we apply this commandment by saying, I'm going to learn from the way that I'm loyal to myself what it means to love my neighbor. And so uh, I would never allow myself to go a day without eating. So I don't want my neighbor to go a day without eating. And in, in the same, you know, there's lots of implications of that. And uh, you were getting at the, the legal loophole. or I, I, We've all got our defenses against it, and some of them may be more legal, or sometimes it's, it's whatever other excuses we come up with. But there's, we have our ways around this because what Jesus is commanding here is it's beyond anything my sinful flesh is ever going to be capable of or willing to even take a shot at. That was something that stuck out to me too, though, was that if you, if you don't love yourself or you, you don't think you're worthy of God's love, it's very hard to show that mm-hmm. to somebody else. And it kind of went along with the, the theme that I've seen running through these, um, these podcasts in that we need to be in God's word. And that's where you learn how much God loves you. Mm-hmm and how precious you are to him and the ways that he loves you. And that's in doing that, renewing your mind daily, that's how you start to change your own thinking and learn how to learn that you are loved and learn how to love other people that same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really valuable observation and something important to remember too because uh, this is the law we're talking about. So this is the commands about how you're supposed to behave and we've talked about this on the podcast already a little bit before, but if we expect behavior to change before somebody believes that kind of a love from God, 
the behavior is not going to change. It's going to be superficial or forced or whatever. And so as we think about just being God's instruments in the world, it starts with communicating grace and love. And so what did God do? He sent his only begotten son into this world. So we would experience grace and love in the most profound and powerful way that's even possible. And that's what starts to change everything else, right? So it begins with it begins with God's incredible love. Angela, you mentioned the importance of being in God's word, and it's great if, if that's what uh, people are gaining from listening to this podcast, that there is a, a sense of urgency that we, we want to people to pick up on, that to be in a dialogue with God is to means that you're not only speaking to him in prayer, but that he's speaking to us through his word. And that's what has driven our discussion and our conversation about prayer and looking at that rejoice, repent, request uh, routine uh, that will greatly aid your prayers if you look at God's word, and in this case today, Matthew 22, 38 and 39, what is it that we have to rejoice about in these words? Because this is law, and typically you don't think of law as a reason to rejoice. (laughs) And yet we have the God who's coming to us in human form in Jesus who's reminding us that we have a God who desires to be in a love relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a good question because it's not the way my mind goes when I apply this text. I think of what I should be doing, right. not of what I have to praise God for. And and maybe if I just fold this into that parable where, uh, as as we talked about this weekend, uh, the, the good Samaritan that comes along is not just an example of a good neighbor. He's Jesus. And so Jesus came along and loved his neighbor as himself, and I was that neighbor. So that transforms this from being something that I'm supposed to do because God has these high expectations of me to a privilege of something I've received, and now I get to share it with somebody else. I think, too, it's uh, that verse about uh the Lord disciplines those he loves Mm. and he wants to keep us on track. And I, I want to be kept on track. Like I, I want there to be a hard, steadfast line. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And so I appreciate that it's there to call me out. Um, because I know his word is true and I know it's, he's faithful in it. And, um, there's no question that it's the right way. Right. Yeah, it goes back to Psalm 119, which we hit on a previous podcast too. Oh, how I love your law. Mm-hmm. You know, this incredible gift from God to hear uh, even, even the commands that convict and condemn take me to a Savior who loves and forgives. And so uh, God's word is to be rejoiced in, period. You know? And especially in today's world where it's like anything goes. Mm, yeah. the, the rules are always getting changed. The bars being raised and lowered and made to fit whatever the current fad is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a exhausting. scary way to live. And we have an absolute truth in mm-hmm. the Word of God. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Running out of time, so we should probably move on to re- repent. And this verse certainly leads itself well to yeah. a posture of repentance. <laughs> yeah. Because we look at these things, and like you said before, we immediately recognize we don't do this. Yeah, yeah. And, and even just to go at the heart of it, too. I mean, in, in my behavior, I don't do it. But then even when my behavior is okay, my heart, you know, is is always lagging. And so that's a, 
That's the repent for sure. And then finally, our request, and that is, uh, for me, I just uh, would request that God would continually open my eyes and my ears to the the needs of my fellow man so that I can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, respond in a true loving way. I think that, and then also keep my eyes on the the one who was the neighbor for me, uh, who loved me as himself. Well, all right. I guess we're going to call it a day. Uh, as far as this podcast is concerned. And uh, I'm very thankful that uh, you've joined us today, Angela. Hope you Thank can come you. back again tomorrow. It's fun uh, to be here. Uh, on behalf of Pastor Carl and Angela, I bid you all a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.